Um, excuse my back, guys. It's beautiful, it's right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we got it, we got it. Yeah, 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 my sister-in-law got it for me. This is a project that Anne and I have been working on for, I don't know, however long we've um, known each other, in that we both come from educational backgrounds. Anne came as an educator through nursing, um, so she learned nursing and became a health, uh, uh, health educator quite young, and I'm phys ed science trained, and I came into the education health space um, through that sort of pathway. Um, both as young um, Aboriginal people with qualifications, we were engaged in universities at a very young age and were encouraged by other people. <clears throat> so um, by the time we got to 30, we, we'd realised that the university system wasn't really working, that other systems weren't working and we, we took ourselves out of universities and put ourselves in the bush and we built ourselves a little wilderness centre out there, but we've also worked in a range of other different education programs for Indigenous people in the region and other places around the country and we've helped uh, have our networks overseas. So what we've basically come up with is this project that we're calling the Mudawara College. And um, flick to the next one. The Mudawara is the, is the Nigata name for the Fitzroy River in the West Kimberley region. And what we wanted to do was create um, two entities. One's the Mudawara Institute, and the Mudawara Institute as a, as a governing body in terms of being an innovation hub for sustainable, sta sustainable development, for research and development, industry partners in what we see as the local industries for our region. Pastoral, tourism, wild harvest, conservation and land management, arts and culture. So as part of that, to, to engage all of that, as a research centre and whatever, we also wanted to create a teaching aspect through the Matawara College, so that local people to work with the Kimberley Rangelands Industries. <clears throat> what we have at the moment is we have a push from government, federal and state, and, and some of the local governments, to push industries such as mining, they want to do fresh new, brand new coal mines along the Fitzroy River, they want to do um, mineral sands not far away, they want to do fracking, um, and um, industrial agriculture. It's all part of our new northern development agenda that the government's pushing. Um, none of this is aimed at local people, local jobs, though that's, the, that's their selling point. They say we're going to have all this local industry, but the story is we know that there are many more jobs for local people through the industries which we've identified, which is revamping the pastoral industry. So we create a new industry, we, we, sorry, we redirect the development of the pastoral industry away from the direction where they're going now where the herd management becomes more like a mainstream penning cattle and um, keeping uh, that sort of thing to saying all right then why don't we have more grass-fed organic free-range cattle where and aim at the top of the market at the moment local cattle producers in the Kimberleys are lucky to sell their cattle for uh, hamburger mix in the US, all right? By reorienting our market and the production process, we can create premium, first-class, top-of-the-range market that people will want to buy. <clears throat> um, hang on. And then local tourism and conservation land management, there's lots of scope for that in the region, and arts and culture. The Kimberleys has produced an amazing amount of artists, singers, dancers, in contemporary formats, as well as storytellers. For goodness sake, Broome has Mugabala Books, Australia's real only pub Indigenous publishing house. So it's, a, it's an arts uh, growth 
potential is amazing in the Kimberleys. And all of those things actually dovetail in together. They all fit and they all work together. Next slide, thanks. So the purpose of the Manawara College is to improve the quality of life outcomes for young people by establishing a remote, independent college to build pride, skills and capacity for a sustainable local workforce to support the development of Kimberley Rangelands Industries. Or, or the purpose is to stop the huge internationally significant rate of suicide, self-harm, incarceration, alcohol and substance misuse, homelessness, poverty and unemployment of young Indigenous people in the Kimberley. So we did both those things. All right. So what do we really want to do? We really want to create a future for young people in the Kimberleys. That's what the Kimberleys should be at. But instead, at the moment, we've got all these other people from everywhere else wanting to just strip assets, strip the Kimberleys. And that means stripping our young people. And we are, they, the proof of that is the, is the results that we are currently getting. And there's no objective developmental change from that pathway of destruction of our youth. That is the current trajectory, and there's no real there's no real intervention to change that except for the occasional basketball program or footy program or other sort of bullshit nonsense program which is created to distract people. We do produce a few AFL footballers, but <laughs> we also, it's disproportionately low compared to the success rate. Um, next slide. So the evidence for change, we want to build on existing evidence from successful community programs. So we've seen models work, we've worked in those programs. The Enterprise class, for example, which uh, an art teacher in Derby District High School started, where he got the old preschool down near the mission and, and opened it for the kids who weren't going to school. And he opened it up, and, and these are the kids who were, um, um, there's a word that goes before truant, and it's a really horrible word, I can't think of it at the moment, thank goodness. But um, these kids were regular truants. They just didn't bother with school to the point where they had an objective to go to school. They used to go to school. They'd do art. They'd learn about culture by talking about it. They'd do all this stuff <clears throat> with, a, with a teacher who really cared for them and an Aboriginal education worker who cared for them. Those kids were waiting at the, at the classroom, outside the classroom before school. I went and filled in there for six months um, so the teacher could do some other work. The kids were waiting there. The kids... Um, as soon as you open the door, they could go in, grab a cup of tea, have a slice of toast, go up the back. Look, I'm a phys ed teacher, I'm a real non-smoking person, but you can turn your eye away for a moment. The kids are there, let them have a smoke up the back, you know. There's one cigarette between ten, they're not going to die. <coughs> so, but, but that's the sort of pressure that was put on me from the school system, you know. The kids are smoking, well, goodness me, they're here. <laughs> so, but they also learnt to earn their own money by painting, you could sell them the art and all that sort of stuff. But what we found is this, the, the state system cannot accommodate any degree of flexibility and, the, and they bastardised these kids to the point where oh, I used to have some real good rips with the principal but the thing is, is that my point is, is that uh, a really innovative program is not sustainable within the current system. There are a whole heap of rules and nonsense regulations which, which block innovation. <clears throat> so the kids were able to do some horsemanship, learn guitars and whatever. We went to Sydney and sailed around Sydney Harbour on the Tribal Warrior. Kids doing bombies up the mast. It was great. Um, and so there was a whole heap of really good things that came out of that program and some other programs that we worked in as well in terms of um, preventing youth from domestic violence which um, 
was about suicide prevention, a whole range of other things about good social cohesion. But the thing is, is that every program that's run for Aboriginal people is on a short loop. You're only one year, you maybe three years, you maybe can stretch it out and bludge around and get another year or two or whatever, but everything is set up to terminate. Mm -hmm. And that is a major problem. Let's flick. So the program we're looking at is saying, let's get away from school as such and call all of these people vocational students so they don't have to fit all the boxes of the, the nonsense of the boxes you have to tick to be a school and the rules that you have to have for kids. But at the moment you've got to be 15. We're saying let's get these kids in at 13 because by the time they're 15 it's too late. You've lost them. You've lost them. Um, for young men and women in a remote setting, we're talking about building a, a building um, halfway between Broome and Derby and Fitzroy Crossing. So we've got those three, three towns to feed on, plus a whole range of remote Aboriginal communities that can feed into this place. We're talking about, um, we're talking about a college without classrooms. And we use the word college instead of school because you can, you can image, imagine college goes right through to adulthood rather than school, which is a childhood thing. Because a lot of these people might be, you know, they might be 14 or 15, but they've been functioning as independent adults for quite some time. So we set up uh, without classrooms and without teachers and without that sort of business, but just working in small groups. Just working on small groups. So we want to have things such as horsemanship. It's a, you know, they have equine therapy for some people. Well, that's a really, that's already an established theory. But these young people, they, they don't associate with the school uniform, blah, blah, blah. We need a school uniform with big hats, big buckles, big boots, <laughs> jeans, western shirts. <laughs> so that they feel that their history, their culture has been the colonial experience where they are cowboys and cowgirls and they love it. All right? That's their identity. <clears throat> and so they need doing things like horsemanship because with horsemanship it interacts with all the other things in terms of yeah, all these stuff about you're learning to work with someone else, with something else. The energy's about something else, not yourself. Mm -hmm. It's about um, learning skills. So you can do, do, you know, do musters. You can do the three amigos thing where you walk people around. So you, they actually, you, you, you're keeping the cattle, you keep a small herd, you, you work the herd, you walk it around a couple of stations and you walk it down to the abattoir. And there's lots of people who would pay from around the world to go on a muster with Aboriginal people, stockmen, and do that sort of thing. Also, horse walking trails along the Fitzroy River, other walking trails along the Fitzroy River with, with Aboriginal guides and things. So these things are what people are after, which aren't available at the moment. So that all works in together. The music, the art stuff all works in as well with the tourism. So does all the information you need to learn as a, as a, land, as a land care person as a ranger type person. All the traditional names, the scientific names, the common names, the uses, the traditional uses, the contemporary, all of that information is so useful as an indigenous person in terms of your own context, but as a, as a guide, as a tour operator, all that sort of thing, it's all useful. Everything works in together. All the information supports itself. So we're talking about pulling down old troop carriers pulling down old Commodores, rebuilding them. Oh, look, my dad is a, um, he's in car clubs in Kempsey in New South Wales. And when I travel around and say, and meet these old, these old white fellows who are retired and whatever, say, would you, would you go and hang out in a remote Aboriginal community for a month or two or three and teach young blokes? Oh, they just, they just dream about doing that sort of thing. There's this whole population 
of grey nomads travelling around our country who drive past our college every single day who we can draw on to stop for a couple of months and just work with one or two young blokes or young women to, to do some of these activities. <clears throat> so it's, it's individual small group learning, it's uh, a wide range of practical experiences, you know, learning maths by running it by, by, by doing a, a fence line. <laughs> you know, there's so many ways that you can apply practical knowledge to learning and not everybody, including me and Anne, were very good at sitting in a classroom mm. listening to someone prattle on all day. You know what I mean? But that's the model that's been pushed on everyone until you're 19 or maybe 18 or 19 years old. So we're saying get people in, get them working, get them lots of... I've talked to a whole range of different people and Dreamworld and the Tribal Warrior in Sydney and all different people around who would take our young people on short internships and train them, give them a wide range of experience and build their skills and interact with other people and all of that sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, no crowded classrooms. Sorry, next. Two minutes. All right, so the curriculum will be life schools. So the, the, the dormitories will be just villages. We like a village, so people learn to, you know, clean your own house, wash your own face, brush your teeth, cook your own dinners, blah, blah, blah. How do you learn the skills for life? How do you, as a group, run a veggie garden, run the pigs and the chooks and whatever, then, then you can take those skills. And as a group, we can go and work in a community, set up community gardens in remote Aboriginal communities. Their family, support their family, or do all that sort of stuff. How can they get paid for going and working in the local abattoir or doing other jobs? How can they earn money? Because you can teach people to work, but if you don't teach them a purpose for working, they don't work. So you've got to pay people. You can't do constant internships with kids and not give them anything for it. It defeats the purpose of why you're learning to work. Um, okay then, so financial means students will learn horsemanship and animal husbandry, history and culture, music and the arts, maths and sciences, mechanics and welding, English, Nigana or other local languages students want to learn. So click next. Local industries, historically the pastoral, pearling and human services. The government's vision for development is mining, fracking and industrial agriculture. We're saying that there are alternative industries and that in fact those industries will, will have a negative impact on the industries, the long-term sustainable industries that support local people. So the, re the, the real local industries we're saying is a revised, not pastoralism as it is, but how do we revise the pastoral industry, make it work better. Um, tourism, range of land care and the arts. Next. The accommodation we've talked about partners to manage. So we need partners in a whole range of different areas in terms of um, uh, building constructive um, beneficial partners across the board. And we started doing that. Let's click, 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 click. Demonstrated capacity to project manage. What we're saying is Anne and I, we've been around for a while. We've worked, you know, we've been senior academics 30 years ago with senior academics that we walked away from. We've got a whole range of technical um, skills that we can apply to this. Um, yeah, click. Thank you. <laughs> Just one point before you yeah. finish. Yep. With the college, the young people will do a contract to themselves. Do no. you want to engage life and do you want a life? And with that principle, that's when we can build a life career plan. So it's not to us or their family, it's to themselves. Do you want a life? How can we help you build a life career? That's right. And when you come to us, it doesn't matter what's happened to you before, because so many of our young people have been labelled and, and um, vilified and everything else. And we say, you come with a clean slate, it's what you do from here on in with the rest of your life, and that's where you start. Yep.
Thanks, Thanks. That's really appreciated. And I'll actually come and uh, talk to you a little bit later about that because um, I've uh, just taken over a, a, a role as a support officer in Indigenous and a high school here in Brisbane with Indigenous kids are also lost um, yeah, yeah, yeah. around <laughs> substance abuse and that sort of stuff. And I'm trying to get some creative ways in which to, to energise these kids because education in a formal context is not the way. And yeah, they immediately, right. um, they're acting out and that sort of stuff. And I'm also on a committee that deals with child suicide, um, which is uh, a pretty horrible thing. Um, Sorry, Roger. I just get my emotional too because I see that the data in statistics of children as young as eight and nine yeah. committing suicide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and if you look at the uh, statistics in terms of the prison population alone, 26% of the prison population is Indigenous people. 16% of those are, are women. What does that tell you? It's a state of sheer uh, disgrace in part of this country. So, um, so <clears throat> yeah, children are our future. But on another note, it gets me emotional because I see the families, I see the result of uh, the effects on families. And, uh, and also the, the effect on police officers when they've got to tell the, these, these parents that your child has committed suicide. Some of these parents have come across their own children and have committed suicide. Um, self-worth, self-doubt, self-loathing, it all plays in critical part. And it's about having a purpose. If kids don't have a purpose and have a meaning and have a dreaming or a dream, then they start getting lost in the darkness.